Peltero Pickle, episode 104. This is a World Series episode. The, the Phillies and Astros are currently tied one-to-one. We've got five games left. We're going to talk about some Kyle Tucker stuff with his game one performance, just kind of where, this, where the series is going. In terms of Peltero world, a lot going on. We've got a bunch of events coming up, so I'm going to tell you about those right now. First one, I'm speaking at John Maley's Major League Hitting Clinic in Chicago, mid-November, which will be fun. Uh, Pelotero has been accepted into the MLB Tech Expo at the winter meeting. So we'll be in San Diego in early December. I think it's the 6th and 7th we'll be there. Uh, The NFCA is in San Antonio right after that. So I'm going to drive down to San Antonio, connect with people there. And then uh, ABCA, beginning of January, biggest event of the year, typically. And always just good to connect with people. So a lot going on with that. a lot going on with our hit AI tool. There's just some final pieces coming together on that. Put out some Twitter threads talking about the process of just going from video to program. And it's pretty wild when you consider that this is even possible. But essentially, you can take a high-speed video with your phone, with an iPhone, upload it to our website, and then all of the analysis is automated and you get a hitting program. So it's pretty unbelievable. Got a lot of stuff going on with that, talking to major league teams, talking to, we got a a big college pilot program underway and just a lot of stuff going on, a lot of really good stuff. So if you're interested in that, we're going to be putting out information, doing demos, doing uh, probably some webinars and just connecting with people. So we'll have information out about that. So pay attention there. Uh, But let's get into this episode, Pickle 104. Check it out. Bellatero Pickle, episode 104. We in the, we're in the World Series right now. We've got some topics with the uh, Phillies, the Astros. But first, a reminder, send us your questions and topics. Hit us up on Twitter, at Pelotero Pickle, or send us an email, pickle at Pelotero.com. I'm Bobby Tewksbury. Joining me is Chris Colabello. Chris, how are you today? I can always tell when you slow down to make sure you get it right. Proud of you, man. Proud. Hashtag proud. Yeah, I, I mean, we're 104 episodes in. It sounds like you critiquing my intro is going to be just a permanent. We haven't had a guest in a while, so I don't like. What am I? I mean, just we're going to talk about stuff like we would. This is a Tuesday or a Monday or a whatever. Just you and I talking about stuff. Yeah, well, I just I mean, I just asked you how you're doing. You could just answer that question. How am I doing? Um, I'm fine. How are you? You look skinny right now. Thanks, man. I think it's the beard. The The beard's coming back in. Is that like a cold weather uh, beard? No, I, I haven't had a beard for a while. The, there's just the gray is really taking over. So I'm trying to see how it plays. It, 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 I didn't like it. I don't care about the gray. Don't get me wrong. There was just like one patch. And now it's at least filling in on both sides. So we have a chance to be even. Would you ever do a little just for men? Just a little uh, color the beard? No. It, no. Just the only the only shot. I, I trimmed up. I trimmed up. So I, I also have a lot of gray coming in, especially if I let it grow a little bit. So I got to keep it a little tighter. When your beard grows, but it stays kind of pretty light colored though, right? Yeah. I my uh, my bloodline does not carry a lot of darkness in the in the facial hair department. Very so thin. 
if you my were... grandpa my grandpa had a big beard i've 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 never really let it go let it go but my grandpa had a really big beard uh my dad has never really had much of any facial hair if i was further than 10 I feet away from you, if i was further than 10 feet away from you could i would i know the difference between blonde and gray uh maybe not Maybe not, but it's like that you care way more about yourself than anybody else does. So sure. when I look in the mirror and I get some straggly grays, then I like to cut them off. Got it. Is what it is. Is what it is. Um, let's jump right into the World Series. We got uh, five games. It was a seven-game series. Now it's a five-game series. Phillies won game one. Astros came back in game two. I felt like... Game one was an interesting game. It became a must-win game for the Phillies because if they came back from, I believe it was 5 nothing deficit, if they ended up losing that game, which is the exact type of game the Astros have just consistently been winning, um, to come back from five, that was that was big. It was, it was a, I mean, you got to get one when you're on the road like that. Well, you have any big takeaways from the weekend? Yeah, I thought, uh, I thought it was pretty cool to just keep playing 27 outs. It's just the epitome of what postseason baseball should be. I've, I've heard a lot of people say they thought it was the greatest game won in the history of the World Series. Uh, not a lot of game ones really resonate in my head. So I guess, yeah, sure. Um, it's Yeah, it's, it's tough to have like a really good game one because it's just game one. Somebody You got to win three more games so the yeah. drama is not there. It was a good. It was a very good baseball game. It was. It's strange because uh, it was like in the fifth inning. I think both starters were out, and then it just the bullpens are so dominant. And you're just waiting for somebody to make a mistake. That's that's what it's just going to come down to. Is one guy's just like the uh, the Mariners Astro series three pitches to decide the game. Real Muto, who looked absolutely staggered on that one foul tip, like he took a shot and. Uh, Catchers, man, catchers are tough. Love a good, a good tough catcher. Uh, then he came back and hit a homer against a guy he'd never faced in his life. Forget his name. What's the guy? The guy that does all the rocking and stuff. What's his name? Garcia. Garcia. That's right. Uh, um, I'm Team Real Mudo. Just a good game overall. I'm in on him. Yeah, Castellanos with the play of the century to save the game. That's a that's a big time. Play I was watching. MLB Network had him as the fourth worst outfielder in baseball, and he's made. Yeah, he's two not good at defending the playoffs. He's not good at defensing. He just doesn't look. He lumbers out there. He's not like a crisp, quick. He's just he makes his way, but it's it's not pretty. But he came up as a as an infielder, so he's still he was a third baseman. He's coming up, so he's still very much learning the outfield. But what I will say the the Sillies, uh, I respect this about them. Kyle Schwarber in left, Nick Castellanos in right. No defensive replacements. Just roll out there. We'll keep the bats in. We'll keep the boys, the lumber in the lineup. Yeah, because it's right field and left field, so who cares? So just catch it when you need to. And Nick Castellanos made everybody look like idiots because, oh, I'm the f- fourth worst outfielder? Well, I made the most important catch of the year, so that's all that matters. They were saying that the uh, <clears throat> they were having a ton of trouble communicating to the outfielders about positioning. When uh, it was a runner got on second base, they had to move him in or whatever the situation was. 
And then they interviewed Castellanos. He's like, yeah, I just moved in. I just kind of felt like it. Just had a, just felt like moving in. So I moved. In. <laughs> it's like all the other analytics and all the, you know, these departments of like 20 people, like crunching numbers, just combing through the Hawkeye data. And then he said, yeah, I just felt like moving in. Yeah, saves, in, two, saves a game. in 2022, might as well. Like that, that's blasphemy. You go to jail for saying something like that. And uh, ironically enough, it worked. There was a there was like a significant period of time in the game of baseball where people did things like that instinctually, and it went all right. Sometimes it didn't. Well, because you can't predict the future. It's tough. It's tough to plan analytics around the constantly changing circumstances of the game. Like every pitch is different. So if you're reading a guy's swing and it's very obvious he's trying to go the other way. And the analytics say to play and pull, like you just stay in the shift. Do you just stay there, or do you just make an adjustment and deal with reality? That's, um, I think, a, a common theme from last week's Twitterness. And it's like at some point you got to deal with reality of a situation, and like things happen, you have to encounter, you deal with it when it happens. So like just blindly following the scattering port without paying attention, without recognizing if that information has changed. It's crazy to me. That's the part I have a lot of trouble with is when it's abundantly clear that the moment is calling for something else. We, I think, frankly, we could, we could make an analytics scouting shift pitch type where to pitch guys card from our couch and be pretty darn close right if you and i had to sit here and go through okay how are we going to pitch the phillies lineup based on you know whether it's mccullers or whoever throws game three the other guy uh we could make a a chart right we could make a chart that says hey this is how we're going to pitch them this is how we're going to attack you know with two strikes we want to do this Early in the counts, if we get in, in advantage counts for the hitter, we're going to do this. And then this is how we're going to move the defense. I think the trouble is that we've taken, like, it's almost stripped creativity from the game, right? It's almost stripped the creative thinking. The, hey, I feel like I should move in. So I, that's part of like the beauty of baseball is when the, the Jeter play cutting across the infield. You know, things like that. They're just, I don't know. I, I i don't think I would need all the numbers to be able to put together a pretty good plan on how to execute. And at the same time, I would never want to take the freedom away from my guys of saying, like, hey, just watch, pay attention. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Kyle Tucker had two homers. Nobody talked about it because they lost. Had a pretty good game. What are your thoughts on, on Tucker as a player? I've done some profile stuff on him in the past with the swing. I feel like his he's got some Ted William-ish look to him. Um, barrels in the zone for basically the entire swing. It just keeps it pretty low, takes it to the zone. I think he's like really leaning into hitting the changeup by like extending and keeping his front leg bent and just like he gets that massive rotation with the shoulders and he's just catching stuff out front and launching it straight into the air. Um, what do you think? What do you got on Tucker? He's a really good player, man. I, I, the thing that's impressed me the most about him is he's 
he's rallied from the, the basement a few times already in his career, right? He's he's turned in pretty good years. It's not like he's a salty established vet who knows, hey man, it's you know, I didn't hit good in April, it'll show up in July, August. Those are those are tough things to deal with. So any guy that can do that early in their careers to me is is way ahead of the curve. So and obviously you could still a little bit about a guy that hits with no BGs. He's just he's a he's a hitter, man. He's just the old country boy, just rake and wake and rake type guy. Like he all he does knows how to do is hit. So it was actually disappointing to see him hit with batting gloves while they were in New York. I hated that. I was like, oh man, it must be really cold. Um, but yeah, he could play. I, I'd put him on my team, and he could play he's from defense. Tampa, Florida. I just I wanted to, I wanted to just cross reference the country boy reference. Well, he's a, but he's a I, I, Florida, it has yeah. no reference to like where you're from. It's like the perception that you're giving to the world. Like you're you're giving a perception of being a lumberjack if you can hit with no batting gloves. Like to hit with no batting gloves is really I got, hard. I feel that. Yeah, wooden bats, no I'm, batting gloves. I just and, sweat too much. I sweat way too much to do that. I just he couldn't do it. Ra- he wraps the bat with the stretchy tape, which is like, it's just a recipe for ripping your hands apart. Like, literally, your hands should be shred. Like, he's probably got the worst calluses and blisters. Like, the blisters are probably all calloused over by now. But when you put that stretchy tape on as the tape that you're going to use, it's just, you'll get like seven extra blisters that you normally wouldn't get. Different spots. Because that tape is is like meant to like rip your hands up. So that's why, like, that's a lumberjack quality to me. Yeah, he's been, I mean, he's been just, I feel like, just chilling in that lineup for years now. He's He's been a mainstay in that lineup. I think watching watching the, the Astros hit consistently, they just put to they put together at-bats up and down the lineup. There's, there's no real easy outs. There's nobody giving stuff away. Uh, I've been logging a lot of games for the Phillies. They've got a couple more holes in their lineup compared to the Astros. I guess you could call like Maldonado's kind of a hole, but he's been putting together at bats. They're just they're just a good team up and down, and Tucker just keeps in the zone. He's got pop. He's he's a tough at bat. He's only been a everyday player for three years now. Is that seems, all? Yeah, I he feel came, like he's been around forever. No, he came up in eighteen, but he's only been an everyday player for for three years because they. It was the big uh, – who did they have in the Why outfield? Why do I feel like he's been there for so long? No, who did they have in the outfield? Because he couldn't he couldn't get in the lineup because Brantley was still playing. Uh, they had Springer yeah. in center or right Reznick or whatever. There. They, they had like an influx of outfielders. So he like, literally there was no room for him. And then when – I think it was – when Brantley – Brantley was still playing or they so let Springer long. go – yeah, Springer, Marisnik. I can't even remember. Beltron before that. Yeah, who else was in the outfield for them? Don't Brantley. Brantley. Brantley went over <clears throat> there in eighteen, I want to say, from Cleveland. Uh, mm-hmm. And then was Yuli playing out there at all? No, they had another outfielder. I I gotta I gotta remember this. I know they had Marwin Gonzalez. What year? Huh. Yep. It Marwin was, uh, was there. They had one more outfielder that made it very difficult for him to be up. And then they just kind of like parted ways with Springer and they were like, we don't, yeah, we don't care. We're going to be just fine. Yeah, well, he's gone. Josh Reddick was Last over year there. He That's went... right. Josh Reddick. 
Tucker went 294 with 30 last year. Yeah, he's a good player. Pretty good. Uh, really good a little player. bit of a down year this year comparatively, but still hit 30 homers. Productive. Like, strikes out less than 100 times. 800 OPS. Their, their lineup's anyway. very – their lineup's like super versatile. They're just di- – they, they have different pieces in the right places. They're just good so I'm, hitters. I'm currently doing the I'm, – I'm currently logging the, uh, the Padres-Philly series. Padres have holes up and down lineup. Like, they just – there's outs. There's just – there's outs in that lineup. All right, define a, a, define a hole to me. Define it. I want your definition of what a hole in a lineup is. Just a guy that's consistently off time, just like never on time, big holes in their swing, <clears throat> very exposable. Like they just – there's gaping holes in their swings. Basically, if the pitcher executes their not is what you're saying, right? Exa- yeah, yeah. Yeah, like certain guys, like the the kid Sosa for the Phillies, just wildly uncompetitive at bats. Like take a fastball down the middle, chase a cutter away, chase a slider in the dirt, you're out. Like just one, two, three, go sit down. Um, just very unpleasant to watch. Very like, like you have no chance to have unless the pitcher makes a mistake and throws into your timing window, you're out. That's. They're their only chance. So if the if the pitcher's mixing speeds, if they're hitting spots whatsoever, you don't have a chance because they're not going to throw the ball. It, it's not even a matter of throwing it down the middle. It's a matter of throwing it to their timing window. They're usually late, and they need to get an off-speed pitch middle-middle to have a chance. Yeah. And other than that, they're just fighting. They're just like Jerks and Profar is late every single pitch. Just – Every single pitch, and then he's fighting stuff off this way. He's early that way. He's never in the middle. Just so inconsistently in the middle, unless he's late on a fastball and they throw him a changeup down the middle, and then he can like pull it to right center. Well said. His like his the only fight that he's got is like he'll let he'll he'll control the barrel oppo when he's really early sometimes, so he's got a little bit of a chance there. But if you throw him in, he's blown up. So it's just it's just a lot of ways to get him out. <laughs> Put it that way. There's very few chances for them to get hits, and there's a lot of ways to get them out. And it's it's wild. Like Bryce Harper's at bats are so competitive. They're, just, they're so competitive because if he sees the pitch one time, that's all he needs. He'll he'll spit take stuff like the nastiest changeup, nasty cutters, nasty slider. He just if he's seen it once, he knows where it needs to start, and he's so locked into it. Um. He'll get a little jumpy every time he goes like this. He's telling himself, like, stay back, like, stay through it. But even then, when he's jumpy, he's able to to maintain his direction. And they're so afraid to go into him. They're giving him stuff away so he can be out front, and he just lets it. He's flipping it the other way, and then you get a couple of those, and you're locked in. When really in and Soto, up is the place. Soto's taking – yeah, well, Soto is just – he took so many pitches. The thing I'm, I've been most surprised about just logging the games is – the number of like, I I classify them as uh, early recognition, where guys are just checking off pitches, <clears throat> just super early. Just they'd shut it down quick on pitches. There's it. It's very obvious that they're sitting specific pitches. Like Cronenworth would auto take almost every first pitch. He's getting heater down the middle all the time. Just tons of heaters they down talk the middle. They about that on Yeah. Yeah. Um. But Soto, shocking how many pitches he was taking that he could have swung at. Um, 
umpire was pretty bad in one of the games that I, I did this morning. Like really pretty bad. There's a couple of deer walking over there. I had a little deer incident this morning. I don't know if you saw my Twitter. You're having all kinds um, of deer incidents. Well, there's been three there's three times now where there's a deer on the fence. This is the first time the deer was still alive. So we, we saved it. We let him go. I think he, I think she is probably hurting right now because if he stuck a pole up my leg, I'd be hurting right now. But gave her a chance. We gave her a chance. There's just two big, huge deer just walking over there out the window. Um, but yeah, Soto took a ton of pitches. <laughs> Shift gears real quick. Soto is taking a ton of pitches. Machado consistently like he's got some uh, J, uh dj lemayu in him where he's, his tendency is to be a little bit later um his tendency is to be under and late and uh pretty interesting reese hoskins how about this reese hoskins misses under fastballs down on the zone consistently that's like wild trend to not do that under so if he's missing under fastballs down his, like if you're throwing breaking balls and sliders into his barrel, it's your own fault. Like I would never throw him anything besides firm up. If it's down, it's got to be chase. Bust him in, make him cheat, and then you got a chance. Which brings me to my next topic: deer that can hit. That's like Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker's kind of a, he's got a deerish. Body type. Yeah. Gazelle, if you will. He can play defense, too. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Astros took game two. They just kind of just beat him. Just straight up beat him that time. Uh, three extra base hits to start the game. First time ever. So that was cool. I felt like Altuve was going to kind of break out a little bit. You can't, can't keep a good hitter down that long. So it was nice to see him. Getting some knocks. Uh, the big thing, big news, two big items. Number one, we have substance issues. Uh, Valdez, apparently Twitter thought he was cheating because he's rubbing up balls. And it was he's kind of weird, like digging into his thumb, digging into his glove. And then a uh, friend of the program, Jeremy Booth, Jeremy Booth said, entire world is watching the umps are performing colon checks complete with coughs. I think we're good here. Um we had a pre-show discussion because I thought Dave Robertson, I thought I was a little skeptical that he had a really dark, like dime spot on his hat. And you told me because I didn't know because I, I assumed incorrectly, hand up, I was wrong, that they were getting new hats for the World Series because I got the World Series patch on the side. But you informed us that they just put a patch on your existing hat. I figured in the big leagues they give you a new hat. Nobody wants new gear. Like you, you're like you don't. If how you often request, how, you could you could get a new hat like every game if you wanted to, right? Yeah, if you requested one, you just have. A how new does hat. that work? If you, if you just were like, "Hey, I don't," I would they my start hat charging you for it? Row. Would they start? Would they start docking your pay for asking nah. for too many hats? Clubby's trying to get tipped, dog. He ain't. Every day you could get. <laughs> you have to understand. One hundred sixty-two new hats. So time out. So think about this, right? If, like, objectively, right. For every piece of me- of gear that you give away or throw away or send to the team store, the team's going to make money off that. Because as soon as you get game used in the pro shop or the fact that you're giving it away, right, it's just a marketing tool for the team. More people are likely like, 
if you give a, a hat to the kid in the third row, is the dad going to bring him back to the game sooner or later? It's marketing. Yeah. Just marketing. So they don't, like, do. the, the, the equipment, dude, the, the back rooms in the clubhouses are just, like, they're obscenely large with just stuff on stuff on stuff. Wild. I, I, I remember, so with bats, I, I used to feel bad about ordering bats. And then after a while, I started realizing, I, wa I walked into the team store one day and I just saw this huge bucket full of game used bats that were for sale for double what they pay for them from when they're new. And you sit there and you go, oh, no wonder why the team doesn't mind, mind buying the bats. And also why a lot of players end up buying their own bats because they don't want the teams to make money off them. It's part of that whole. Yeah, I don't think I don't think a lot of people understand that dynamic. So if the major league players can purchase their own bats and then they have they they maintain ownership. If they break a bat, they can take it with them or go start a fire. They can do whatever they want with the bats. But if the teams purchase the bats for the players, the teams own the bats. Yeah. And then after they're broken or whatever, what happens at the end of the season if it doesn't break? You get to take them home. No. Do you know how many bats you know, are stored for those? I mean, you can like the, nobody. The clubby is always player first, right? The clubby's team player. So even if you break a bat, and you want to give it to somebody, they'll let you. But generally speaking, if your bat breaks during the game and you don't ask the bat boy or the clubby for it, that thing's going right to the team shop. Like and you don't know where it went, how it got there, whatever, unless you ask for it. If it was a big bat in your life, it's one thing. Um, I like to think they have one of those those bullpen cars that's shaped like a baseball in the tunnel waiting, and then yeah. they like run them out and take them and drive them up. That's what I in my head like priority nice. item. Just just send it up there. Nice. Or maybe um, somebody on a scooter, like a, like one of those David Price scooters you guys had. Yeah, with Throw a huge a backpack back, on a little yeah. sleeve in there. Yeah, yeah. So so that, Valdez was he cheating? Was he not cheating? Anyway, does anybody brings me to my next point. So, listen, notoriously, for 147,000 years, pitchers have put the rosin on their wrists, right? They'll use the rosin bag on their wrists because it's a part of their body that gets sweaty. Rosin is much, much better, like, functions much better when it's wet, like when you have a little wetness to it. So that's why guys go like this all the time, whether they're digging into their finger pump. Can we stop with the our guys using crap? Like it's so annoying. I who cares enough over it? Th these people are just oh, I'm on Twitter and I'm watching the same broadcast everybody else is. He must be doing something wrong. Let's allude to it and make it a big ordeal. How about shut the hell up? How about just watch the game and shut up? How's that for an idea? I hate everybody. That's an idea. That's an idea. So, all right. So, we're checking off, but they are getting checked all the time. And both managers were like, "Yeah, it's whatever. Like, it's fine. They don't care." Uh, we do have an issue that we can take into our own hands today. Oh, Tom announced that Albert Pujols is bat. Look at that AP five right here. So this is uh, an illegal bat, apparently. I, I try to keep the Marucci sticker on here. So we're gonna do a little test. I got a couple measuring devices. I got a tape measure. I don't know why they why why did they say it was illegal? So this this barrel is like two and a half. 
two and a half diameter. And then I got this thing, little little body scanner thing, whatever. And if I use this thing, and there's it's not perfect. Hold on, I gotta do this right. There we go. So we take this thing out, we do this, and we're gonna put it around, and then we're gonna cinch it in. Now I got bats flying everywhere. So it's saying it says it's 8.5 right there, right? Then I got a little Vernon Wells bat over here. And it's definitely smaller. I'll try this again. This is a riveting segment so far. And it's saying it's 8.3. So this is a smaller barrel bat. This is a, a VW10. Jeff Fry's going to probably tell me I'm not allowed to say people's names on here. Oh! We got a Josh... Josh Donaldson bottle, a JD20. Do this one. 8.6 around on this thing. So the VW10 is smaller. The Pulse is bigger. The Pulse and the Donaldson, I, when I did it before, they were the same size. This one is un, uncupped. Again, about two and a half. Two and a half on this. I don't know why they're saying that bat's illegal. They just said maybe it was like fractured or something, like they were breaking. Do you have any insight into this and why they would deem this bat illegal? No, I honestly had never heard. So the, the bat dimensions literally don't matter. Like baseball, I don't know why. Like what's – what? there's nothing about this bat that feels illegal to me. Uh, it feels awesome. I'm fairly certain the biggest barrel you can have is like the, the old two and three quarters. It can be two and three quarters at – it's max point or whatever. Um, it used to be, like it went like when we were in high school, freshman sophomore year, it was two and three quarter. Drop yeah. five, then they went to two and five eighths, drop three. Um, I have no I idea. I don't know what the, the rules are. I have no when, idea why this would be deemed illegal. I'm Maybe it's like you. too thick towards the label. I have no. I don't know what's going on? idea why or how a bat could be illegal i have no idea what the justification for a bat being illegal would be i have no idea how you grandfather one guy in and don't allow everybody else to use it it's just all a crock of crap that's how well, i feel but why it. would why why would i should text tom and ask him like why would you report that during like it's the biggest like nothing story of all time. Tom's notorious there's, for so coming up with like a tidbit that nobody knows about. Remember when I when I hit the home run yeah. Volquez? He had this teed up. He was waiting for Volquez to give up a home run, a changeup, and keeping track. And he's like, "That's the first home run that Volquez has given up in one thousand three hundred twenty-six changeups, or something like that." I go, who who knows that, and why does anybody care? That's a Tom thing to do, man. Yeah, but it, I just I don't understand why this bat's illegal. It's actually like the the JD twenty and the AP five are very similar, if we're being honest. And oh, by the way, very just, very similar. Just so you Which, know, don't a lot of guys just like copy bats? Don't like they're like, hey, take the handle from the VW ten and put it on an yeah. AP five barrel. Yeah, with this kind of taper. And just so they're you know, thirty four thirty twos. This one was born on seven eight fifteen. This one was born on six twenty four fifteen. 
So maybe they're both illegal. I don't know. And just so you know, know what that means. when people are like, how did nobody know? It's not like in softball or in high school when uh, umpires go do a bat check before games. Like, you, like nobody checks the bats because <laughs> no, nobody cares. Because the umpires are like, oh, we're going to be on national television, have to play an important game. Why would I ever check anybody's bat? Unless somebody asked me to. So I don't know if it was a camera that picked it up. It's all, it, I think it's all crap. Anyway. Uh, I, and I, didn't, I don't even think Martin it was. Martin Maldonado could I, use a shotgun to hit and he would still not be good at hitting. So it wouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it felt like a very non story story that had, I mean, what, what how is that going to impact the game? Or shouldn't they forfeit the game if he's using a legal bat? I don't, I, I, I question why it was reported at all. Especially when there's no context given. It said like something about the bats breaking. I don't remember bats shattering since like Barry Bonds was using sand bats. And they the only the thing, the only thing that would make sense is the ink dot test. So the ink dot test started, I want to say like oh nine, oh eight, oh nine. But Pujols has the ink dot. It's got an I, ink dot. I know. I'm just saying that's the only thing I know of legality of maple bats. We need to get to the bottom of this. I don't want I don't want Albert Pulse's name being slandered on my watch. Can't have no, it. No, it's really Martin Maldonado's name that's being slandered. It has nothing. Pulse is okay. He can do whatever he wants. Oh, but yeah, but there was you remember when they like somebody was trying to throw out allegations of PED use for Pulse of like why he was performing at the end of the year. People people are just looking for reasons to take people down. It's it's unnecessary and I Oh, really? Support. Is that how life goes? Yeah. Well, your uh, yours was uh, nobody was really looking to take you down. You just got caught up in some bogus Russian scandal. So, lucky you, you got got your life altered by that. And now I have a gray beard. Innocent bystander. Innocent bystander. Um, let's talk about New York, and one of the bigger stories that's going to be of the offseason. Do Do you want to talk about the the next five games of the World Series at all? Nope. They're playing tonight, right? Yeah, there's a the baseball. Yeah, game. we'll just whoever scores the most points wins. Yeah. I, I just I tweeted, I just I don't care. I don't really have I don't have a dog in the in the fight here. I don't care who wins. I just want Team seven folds. Games, competitive games. More Fighting competitive folds. games. I would be happy for the for Sam. That'd be great. Um I think they're both good teams. I just want good baseball. That's all I care about. So uh we've got a toxicity problem. In the Big Apple. Players, I guess, from the Yankees and opposing teams are shocked at how specifically Aaron Judge was getting booed. That uh, just the expectations, the lack of appreciation for the season that he had. What do we got on this? This is a big topic. We, we know people that have experienced the wrath of New York City. There were some discussions midseason with certain players that we don't need to get into because it's not super relevant other than the fact that it's like dealing with the press and media in New York. The scrutiny there is extreme. If you don't like it, play better. A... <laughs> if you don't like it, play – what do you want me to say? So, I, I, listen, so wait, 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 wait. What are your thoughts on Judge getting booed? Thoughts on that's Judge absurd. getting booed in the, play, in the postseason? That's kind of absurd, but – you have to understand, 
Right. If you just go like full circle and really look at all the context of the whole thing. We have way more media sources and just places to get information from in today's day and age, right? There's just way more stuff in front of us. We've got stuff being delivered to us that's very specific to the stuff that we like or want or want to see. So every person that's going into that stadium nowadays has a pretty good idea of what's going on at the stadium with the team or in some capacity is getting information delivered to them about the team, right? Where 30 years ago, you maybe probably didn't say the same thing about people that were going to Yankee Stadium. And they were vicious back then. Bear in mind, they were bad for a while, like stretched through the 70s and 80s where they didn't win. And then they started winning again in the 90s, right? In the late 90s. And they had a pretty extended run of being really good. It's been a while now. And frankly, I don't think they've done a very good job of bringing in true Yankees, right? Guys that represent the pinstripes, uh, Jeter, Posada, Pettit, Rivera come to mind. Obviously they haven't had a guy like that. And you can say they're generational players, whatever. Judge is the first one of those in a significant period of time. I think it's absurd that Judge is getting booed, but it's a culmination of all this stuff. And, oh, by the way, you just got swept in the LCS. So, should you get booed? Yeah, if you have expectations that are through the roof as a as an organization, yeah. But if you don't like it, don't play there. If you don't, like... If you don't like it, suck and get yourself designated or move to another team. Like, and like, move on, move on, man, move on. It is what it is. Yeah, I thought uh, like a guy like Harrison Bader. I forget. I forget if we talked on it here or if it was in a group chat somewhere. But Bader seems like the type of guy, like the Brett Gardner type, that's just going to work hard. That's going to the type that the fans of New York will appreciate that type of player. There's got to be some emotion. I feel like Judge is almost too selfless at times, which is like a, an amazing quality. But for that fan base, showing some emotion, he's just, he's so reserved about it. Um, he says all the right things, and I, as far as I can tell, he's the most genuine guy about it. So it, the this bleeds right into the next topic about Judge in New York, and if. If he's not in New York, is his star power the same? I think it draws direct comparisons to like if Mike Trout had spent his career in New York City up to this point and Judge had spent his career in Anaheim or L.A. to this point, how different would they be perceived? Specific to New York, I think Trout's the type of guy that, that plays hard every single day and his star power would be magnified if he was in New York. Um, but other guys, I feel like the roster in general, they could assign some big name guys. When Cashman was asked recently about Harper, they're like, oh, you're still asking about Harper. Cause the thing is, if you don't sign judge, who are you going to get there? You got to have names there, right? If you win, if you lose there, you better do it with big names with, with home recognized names, like name brand 
names. So a guy like Rizzo, I feel like, should be a a guaranteed, like, yeah, we're going to bring you back. Judge is going to be guaranteed. You you should never look at the New York Yankees lineup and go, man, who's that guy? And no offense to the New York Yankees, right? But uh, Lee Trevino, Jose Trevino, is that his name? Jose, just for context. Trevino, yeah. I think he's a good he's like sure. a good role player for the had, team. Sure. Had no idea who he was at the beginning of the year. Kyle Higashioka is your other catcher, right? Like who's that? A lot of people didn't know who Isaiah Kiner Falefa was when he became a Yankee. Uh the, the uh, Oswaldo Cabrera's playing. Like there, there are guys that people don't know. And I think that's the whole point. Like, it's the Yankees. The, like, did the Do- they're kinda, did the they're, Dodgers they're, kinda, they're trying to play the game? Did the Dodgers run any of those guys out there? The Yankees are trying to play the roster game like they're the Tampa Bay Rays at times. So are the Red Sox. And it's like it's just pathetic. go, just go play. Just go get your go get the players. Go pay them. You have the money. And the Red Sox had to, had to strip it down. But the, the Red Sox had a strategic plan to strip it down and get. They had to get money off the books from. Guys that were still on payroll forever. Why do they have to get money? I think they're off in the a books. position now to go spend. Well, they—that's what they were doing. Yeah, but why do they, they have? They don't to have get money to. Off the this goes back. This goes back to the. the there's no such Thank thing you. as a small market team. Thank you. Especially the Red Sox and Yankees. The it's funny how the fans of these major market teams can sometimes be like, "Oh, we need to save money. We need to." Decrease the payroll, blah blah blah. Just pay back the up the Brinks truck Just and give in. Judge everything he wants. Back up the Brinks truck and give Bogarts everything he wants. Like, stop. Well, oh, we can't pay that. Like, I heard a dude say that the other day as I was, uh, I went to the place in Boston the other day and I was just sitting there. And a dude goes, Whoa, yo, we can't the place. You, know, you went to the place in Boston. Uh, the, um, <laughs> Faneuil Hall, and I was sitting. No, 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 Faneuil Hall, and I was sitting there having lunch, and I heard a guy next to me, and he was like, "Oh, man, Red Sox got to save money. They can't be paying Bogats that kind of money." And I was like, "Why?" It literally just said, "Why?" And he's like, "Well, you know, conversation Yeah, and I said, well, "I just said why." I turned to him, I said, "Why?" And he was like, "Well, you know, they gotta keep money off the payroll." And I said, "Why?" And they just kept asking why, and they had no answer. What like is the Red end. Sox? What's the Red Sox valuation? They're like five billion dollars, probably. Uh, it's probably three billion. They have like so much money. But that's the whole. The, so, like, if your payroll, so let's just generalize and say, in order to get a two to three billion dollar valuation, you have to be doing at least five hundred million a year in revenue. Fair. Is that fair to say? 500 million at least to, if you're going to get four or five X on that. I don't know what the multiplier is. Whatever. On professional organizations. They're making, they're telling me. Red Sox value 2021. So 3.465 billion dollars. Yeah. So the whole point is there's three. Yeah. The whole point is how you're making at least $500 million a year in revenue. And the luxury tax threshold is like at two thirty. So the, and they bought the Red Sox. They bought the Red Sox for three eighty in two thousand two. So they've ten x the value. So exactly. And, uh, 
but that this is the whole point. This is the whole point of what I'm saying. So you sit there and you go, all right, if we're making $500 million a year in revenue and our luxury tax threshold number is 225, like who cares if we spend 300 million on players this year? Who cares if we spend 350 million? Just to be clear, your operating costs are not like, they're not meeting up to that payroll. And oh, by the way, even if they are, like let's say you do 500 million in revenue one year and you lose $10 million, what's the difference? Because your valuation just went through the roof. Your valuation went up by 100 million this year. So if you lost 10 million, ho-hum, or you're not gonna get a line of credit from Coca-Cola, or you're not gonna get like a loan from a bank, you're the Red Sox. So if just anybody that wants to talk about it from a business standpoint, shut the hell up. Anybody wants to talk about it from a baseball standpoint, shut the hell more up. It's so stupid. Just pay guys that are good, that have name recognition. Just pay them, pay them. Stop not paying players. It's so ridiculous. It's wild. Then farm system this. Oh, we can't develop that. The only guys that should be like the Dodgers have done it well. The only guys that should be coming up from the minor leagues and being a part of organizations are guys like Will Smith who are turning into stars. This year, Trace Thompson just happened to be a fill-in player. That's like a 10-year minor leaguer who's figuring it out, like working it, right? Just getting better. They had Kevin Pillar in 3A. Like Kevin Pillar was a borderline all-star a couple times. Right, like the Yankees did it with Matt Carpenter, but he was like their only one. Like, how do you not have a second line of defense that's better? How do you not have dudes up and down your lineup? How do you up and down your roster? What are we doing? I'm done. It, it's surprising that I, I get it. I just don't. It doesn't like fit the brand. Of who they are. But that's the psychology that the league has created, right? They've created it through their own media channels. That's what they've pumped to the fans. It's what they've said. That's what they've... So it never never made sense that veteran players were getting paid the way they were getting paid. I understand why, but it it never made sense that like, oh, because you've been in the league, we're going to, now we're going to pay you when you're declining. That's the, that's what it was, but it, it from a economic standpoint that doesn't make sense and then they look at it objectively and go well this guy's in the decline we can bring up our platoon two guys for five hundred thousand a year not pay this guy eight million get similar production maybe maybe not doesn't matter we're going to make money anyway so it it always felt weird that guys were getting these big contracts as they're getting older like the 34 35 36 year olds were getting deals and it's just not happening anymore. But the difference the difference is in the NFL and the NBA, a 21-year-old can get paid $15 million per. In the big leagues, that can't happen. Like, that can't happen unless somebody buys but out that's your... the big issue. So the, the, that's the, the big pay issue. structures no... were different. They were just built differently. And that's, that's why... So, like, people can say they don't like the fact that a guy was going to get paid at age 38. Like, he earned that. He got to that point. He earned it. Pay him at 38. Who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter according to your bottom line or whatever you want to want to, want to call it. For years and years and years, players got hosed and they got they built this system. Two, two separate collusion situations, lockout, uh, strike, 
right? The players went from 1985, 86, when there were like 10 players making a million bucks to fast forward to 2000, when there were probably, what, uh, 50 to 100 guys making over a million dollars a year or maybe more than that or whatever it was. There were a lot of players making well over a million dollars. The players earned that because they, they grew the game for the industry. Like, I don't understand. Like, this, these arguments against players making money are so stupid. And there, there are no economic restrictions. Zero. The Tampa Bays have no no economic restrictions. Like, if their payroll is $75 million or $250 million, their business is going to operate the same. They're making a choice to have a $75 million payroll. They're doing a disservice to the game by having a $75 million payroll. Like, it's absurd. The Pittsburgh Pirates have no economic restrictions. Zero. Wild to me that people get on board with this narrative. Like, wild. Pay Aaron Judge $50 million per year, New York Yankees. Do the right thing. $50 million per. Give him as many years as he wants. He is the face of baseball. It would be shocking if they didn't really, really go after him. Sounds like the Giants are gonna do whatever they can to get him. What do you think? What do you think is a? Uh, how do you see it playing out? I mean, there's. It's we go back. We went to the. We talked about uh, Correa uh, when and the Twins came out of left field, but they obviously gave him that shorter, higher money deal that he's gonna opt out of anyway. There's it sounds what, like the Dodgers are looking at Korea. There's five landing spots for these guys. There's two LAs, two Chicago's, two New Yorks, and a Boston. That's it. Seven teams, and maybe and the Rangers could come out of left field and do it, but they're not. I don't think they're in a position to win right now. The Rangers are already paying Simeon. And, that would be pretty wild. Seager. So eight. There's eight teams that could get them if you count the Rangers. Two Chicago's, two New York's, two LA's. Oh, I forgot the Giants. Nine. San Fran, yeah. He ain't going to the Tigers. He ain't going to the Indians. He ain't going to the Twins. He ain't going to the Royals. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It's crazy. Um, somebody's going to pay him. I'm, I'm very curious to see how it gets structured. Um, could he get like a very front loaded with an opt out? No, he's going to want a longer, like a, he'll, t he'll take a longer deal over. I mean, he's going to beat what the Yankees offered him no matter what, right? Like he, the Yankees offered seven and two thirteen or something like that. So that's 30 million per he's, he's going to beat that. He's going to get at least 35 per he's going to get seven if he really wants it. If he gets six, it's going to have to be 40, 42 million, like six and 250, six and 260, seven and seven, the same, same size contract number wise. I think you give him seven. Who cares if he's 37? Who gives a shit? If he takes really good care of himself, the only problem is he's he a might, monster. He might he sell might enough. Might sell enough jerseys to cover the whole thing. Yeah, that's what they said when Juventus traded for Ronaldo because they have no licensing splits. Like each team gets their they own. They made stuff. all the money back like the first day in jersey yeah. sales. Yeah, 
crazy. And then what about uh, what about Judge in New York? Just in terms of his star power, do you think if he goes to the Giants, because that's the one that's getting the most the most run on yeah, social tall. right now, if he goes to the Giants, is he going to stay Aaron Judge? Yeah, I feel like his his stature, his like he he fits New York from like a branding standpoint. Sure. That if he goes somewhere else, like if he went to Texas, he'd be like, all right, everything's bigger in Texas. I guess Judge is bigger, and now he's in Texas. Like, what's the play there? The, if he goes to the Dodgers, he's just another All Star on an All Star team. Does he stand out in that lineup? Yeah, but he's not number twenty five at six two and one hundred and ninety five pounds. He's number ninety nine at six six two sixty still. Like, no matter what, when like, he has the the distinct. I don't know if it's an advantage or disadvantage of standing out no matter what, right? So, like, we were talking about Mookie before. Like, Mookie, if you walked down the street and you didn't know who Mookie Betts was, you had no idea who Mookie Betts is, right? If you, if like, you would never look at that guy and be like, man, superstar, right? Fair? So, I saw it. There was a video of him shooting hoops at, uh, at Memphis the other day. He looked like a superstar in basketball. He rolled a 300. Dude, recently that dude can too. athlete. Yeah, he jumps out the building. That dude can athlete. Twitchy. Yeah. Love more. Love more. He's doing like off ball screen, like catch release. Like, <laughs> like Mookie, you're the, one of the best baseball players on the planet. Just love Marcus. It's great. Don't, you don't need to like practice and like have guys like bumping you to get you off your shot. And then like it was just, he's an athlete. He's a good athlete. But you're right. Judges kind of that bigger than life, just stature about him. I don't know. I if you went to Kansas City, what kind of what kind of waves would that create in I that think his market? wife would probably divorce him. Would it maybe she likes barbecue. That's I don't know. Um I don't know what else there is in Kansas City that would be Nothing. exciting. Nothing. But yeah. Nothing. Yeah, Mom's it's just it's there. gonna be a huge story. Yeah, but judges, judges' free agency is going to be a huge story. The shortstop situation over the next couple of years, I put a tweet out. So you got Bogarts, Trey Turner, Dansby, Tim Anderson, and Correa. Those, I mean, all moving pieces. A lot of people said Dansby. They wanted Dansby, which I was surprised by. He had a good year this year. It was better Thompson to start. Park. It finished... Poorly, he had hit like twenty eight homers last year, didn't he? But he hit two fifty. He was hitting three hundred most of the year. He's doing some things now. I didn't think he had that many homers last year. I'm pulling it up. Yeah, yeah, actually, he had twenty seven homers last year, twenty five this year. Interesting. Yeah, but he only had two fifty. Yeah, he, he he fell off the last three yeah. weeks. He was hitting three hundred most of the year, and then went. When is Bo? When is Bo a free agent? He's got to be creeping up there. No. No, he came up. Years? He came up. I think he's got nineteen. Years. I think he's arb one this 26. year. Twenty six. Is he arb one this year? He's twenty. He's a twenty six. He's arb eligible. Twenty three. Free yeah. agent. Twenty six. Yeah. Arb one this year because he came up in nineteen. Twenty twenty one twenty two full years. 
Um, 20 was the COVID year. So full year service. Bo? He rolled, he, he got up to, he got all the way up to 290. It's amazing what a conversation at one with point, me in the dugout. At one do. point there was, uh, <laughs> there was, uh, some backlash that I still follow a bunch of Toronto people from when you were there and there was some backlash some people complaining about Bo. I was like, dude, you guys, the grass isn't greener. Be careful. He had a better year than Vlad. Get rid of this guy. He had a better year than Vlad. Yeah. And Vlad was like, whatever. <laughs> Danny Jensen, well, it's Danny Jensen and I were texting because I was telling him how proud of him I was. Danny ended up having a really good year. I mean, OPS over 800. That pitch. No, but I mean, it was he started out hot, had the skid when he came back, was down, and then finished really, really good. And him and me, I had talked to, I had extended conversations with him and Bo and George Springer in the dugout when we were at Fenway. And from that day on, those two guys just went ham. Like Bo and, and Danny just went off. So I, I was like, Jedo. I was like, texted him and said cool stuff. He's like, ironic that you talked to, well, I said this part. I said, ironic that I talked to you and Bo and you guys were both banging. I was like, just kidding. He's like, no, that has everything to do with it. I was like, oh, you're nice. Thanks, man. You hit the ball, not me. Mindset matters. Mindset matters a lot. Just got to get guys believing in themselves and what they do. That's it. Yep. Yep. Um, I was very, very close to wearing my Batman costume. This is where it's technically Halloween, but this won't come out on Halloween. Producer Patrick had a good one. He was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was disappointed. He did a, a sequence of pictures on Instagram, and I thought he was going to pull the cheese off the slice like full bite. So I was disappointed that he didn't do that, but it was a good good shot for shot remake. So nice job, Patrick. We were a superhero family, so I was Batman. My wife was, I guess, Catwoman, I guess. She didn't really sell out to it, but my kids were Wonder Woman and Superman because Robbie, my youngest, wears a cape every day. She loves being Superman. If you call her Supergirl or Superwoman, she gets mad at you. She goes, no, Superman. So she's Superman. Uh, the question here is, what is the best Halloween candy? Wow. I'm not a big candy guy. I'm, I'm paying attention to what I eat. But if I go back in time, for me, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup is tough to beat just in general. Anything with peanut butter. Stuff. I like sour candy now. Like, I really, really like the watermelon sour patch kids. Yeah, that's the only one. Really like those. Yeah, you, but they were sour, the you sour patch watermelons. You didn't even get sour patch kids. Sour patch watermelon. The whole bag of watermelons. yeah, the watermelons. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm gonna give you a couple um, different thoughts. Peanut M and M's. I'm big on peanut M and M's. Reese's peanut butter cups, the full size ones. The the small ones are fine, but I'm talking like the full size. So listen to this. And it's like so, usually like three bites. I'll do, like, I'll do ease, a bite and then a, a bite and then a bite. There's an ease of eating, right? In terms of like ease of eating chocolate candies, three musketeers and and Reese's peanut butter. It's a lot of nougat. Uh, a I, lot of but nougat. what I'm saying is like it's incredibly easy to eat. Kit Kat bar, <laughs> incredibly easy to eat. Does that mean I like it Kit Kats are more than good. a Snickers? No, but it's like a Snickers all up in your teeth. Like a payday bar, a baby Snickers Ruth, or Babe Ruth, Snickers or Babe Ruth bar. Which one? Would you rather have a Snickers or a Babe Ruth? Snickers ice cream, Babe Baby Ruth candy bar. I haven't had a Snickers ice cream in probably twenty years. Snickers ice cream bars. Are wow. Shit. Maybe Snickers more. Ice- maybe thirty years. I'm getting old. I, I say twenty. Like well, it's a long I mean, time, dude, the Snickers 19. ice cream bar is like an easy go-to at the grocery store. They have them like. 
whenever you go to like a place that's selling ice cream. I don't really go down that aisle. Yeah, I don't really go down that aisle. Um, for that. Kit Kats are like underrated. Twix is underrated. Kit Kats are always good. Twix are really good. You can't have too many. Um, trying to think what else. I don't think that, I don't like when, when was the last like new candy to like break out? There's been, there hasn't been like, isn't like Mr. Beast doing chocolate bars now or something? I don't know. That dude Her- is Hershey bars. Regular old Hershey bars all? are legit. You talking yeah. about the liver guy? No, Mr. Beast, the, the YouTuber. Somebody offered him like $1 billion for his channels. He's like, no, it's, it's worth at least 1.5 and. He's know, doing Mr. like Beast burger is. joints now. He, he's the biggest YouTube account ever. I, I'm so, this is the a type of guy you would be very intrigued by. Now you're gonna look him up all day. He's got like the most followers ever on his, on on YouTube. He's just doing nice. just numbers on everything that he does. And there's there was a big deal because he's he's actually being more like open about the business side of what he's doing. He just got like a forty thousand square foot warehouse for production purposes, and he took out all the posts and just made it all clear span. He's going to, he's going to be one of the most popular entrepreneurs probably over the next 20 years, I would predict because he owns the younger market and he just reinvests everything that he does. So he's going to, he'll have like a content studio. He'll probably start making movies like this. He, everything he's always done, he just reinvests and just cares so much about his audience and now he's getting into product. So when he decides to flip a switch on something like candy, he's going to sell a billion candy bars. Well, that brings us to the Philadelphia Pickle because Chris just disappeared. So I'll say it. Pickle out. <laughs>